Welcome to another episode of Let's Watch a B-Movie. This is Vic Azim. And I am Nick Arcana, and we are here to watch Urban Legend today. Yes, that 90s classic. Can Wait, we, are, are you we, talking about Urban Legend, or are you talking about Scream? Because they're both almost oh, almost identical. I'm actually thinking about, I still know who you did last summer. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm pretty sure that came out in the 2000s, not the 90s. No, I think it was like 98-ish. I'm pretty sure. It was pretty close to the first one. I think it was like a year later, but... We're talking about the wrong movie still. So today we're going to talk about Urban Legend, a 1998 horror... I can't say classic, but a horror movie from 1998. I'm about to say, it, I, can, I, see the fan ba- I can see a fan base for this movie, but to be honest, now that I've rewatched it, I'm not really a part of it. It's interesting thing about the fan base, because I don't think it actually, I don't think it qualifies as like a cult classic even, though. I can't. Not really. Have you seen our horror group on Facebook ever mention it? Heck no, but you know what I just saw? Somebody said Friday the 13th Part 5 was the best in the series. You know, I'm deleting myself out of that group. Here, let me, let me, I'll show you the picture. Enough right is now. enough, man. I have my limit. You have your limits? Yeah. You're, this this Facebook group is driving me crazy. Why are you even still on it? You're the one who invited me to it. You're making me... It's strictly for advertising purposes. And your advertising purposes went down here. Here, Here's the post. Okay, let me read this to you folks. Okay. This is the Friday 13th Facebook group that we're in. Um, this is our fan base, really, saying this. But let's see. Friday 13th Part 5 is one of the best in the series. It's better humor than part six. Prove me wrong. Prove you wrong? <laughs> I don't want to deal with you. No one prove me wrong. <laughs> better humor than part six? You know what? If we were doing a podcast with these horror movies, I would delete myself out of that group tomorrow. Right now, I would delete myself out. Hell, I'm deleting myself out of the group. Even. I mean, Why? we already did Friday the 13th unless you want to redo them. Yeah, I know, but sometimes they ask good questions. Just It's like one. Name of- one. Okay, you got me. I was going to say maybe there was one, but I feel like most of them haven't even seen the movies. There's no way they have. Look at that. They join the group first, and then they go watch the movies. I don't even think they're watching the movies. What is wrong with people these days? Uh, easy. They want everything spoon-fed to them instead of do the damn work of watching an hour and a half long movie. They'd rather just watch a podcast where they discuss the movie. <laughs> and folks, we're here for you. So, But we would still recommend you watch the movie, too. I say watch the movie. Then come back and tell us how stupid y'all think we are. Urban Legend came out in 1998. was not a big hit at the time. It made $38 million at the box office. It currently carries a 5.6 rating on IMDb and a blistering 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. But that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It just means that critics and everybody in the world pretty much disowned the movie and felt like it was a piece of shit. Well, that's because they were all getting off of Scream. You know, Scream had just come out, what, two years early? earlier yeah scream basically started this whole craze this slasher craze of the mid to late 90s which included then i know you did last summer the sequel to that urban legend um and then of course you had scary movie and everything else there was a big whole renaissance then of course immediately switched over to ghostly type movies like the others and the grudge and 15 year surge of those kind of movies Kimmy, we're still in that surge. Yeah, I don't think there's hardly any slashers being made nowadays. You know how hard it is for me to go on even Tubi TV, put in slasher, and I only see five movies, and they don't, and they're all from Full Moon Pictures. Yeah, you gotta do better than the Full Moon Pictures. I mean, damn, all Full Moon Pictures slashers are is a bunch of dolls killing people. They shouldn't be called Half Moon Pictures. (laughs) So basically, Urban Legend is not highly regarded, but for me, I remember renting it on video back when it first came out being super excited about. The trailers looked very promising. And I was a big Scream fan. And I rented it, immediately watched it. Uh, you know, I I liked it a lot at the time. I remember liking it a lot. 
thinking that it wasn't as good as Scream, but, you know, it was still a pretty good slasher movie. Um, seen it on and off again a few times over the years, but really just recently sat down and watched it really in-depthly. What, what's your background on the movie? How, when do you remember first seeing it? So my background on the movie is I first saw it when I was a kid. Because in 98, I was six years old. And the funny thing is, I started watching movie, horror movies when I was four. Powered B, Freddy Krueger, by the way. Because um, mm. that was my very first horror movie ever watched. Nightmare on Elm Street, three. Anyway. I was going to um, say, was it, yeah, which one? It was three. But I do legitimately remember this movie uh, scaring me in one particular scene. That's that cold-blooded death that happens, I want to say, about 45 to an hour mo- minutes into it. And that was Sasha's death in the damn radio tower. Played by Tara Reid. Okay. Played by Tara Reid, yeah. Her death, in my opinion, had to be the most brutal and cold-blooded part because just she's the only one that didn't even try fight, that didn't fight back, and she's the only one. And she also didn't even deserve her death. I mean, what did she do throughout the movie? Or that made us believe she deserved anything she got. Everyone else kind of deserved it. There's some evidence that suggests that she posted a really bad radio show, so... Well, that's besides the point. I mean, hey... She gave people sex tips. That was her thing. That was how she made her money. Depending on how much you hated her show, maybe she deserved to die, I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, here's the question, do you think... Oh, great, now we're going to have an urban legend killer coming after us because we make a bad podcast. Is that an urban legend? To be honest, Sasha's death really wasn't an urban legend. The gimmick of the movie, of course, is that all these death scenes are supposed to lend itself to some urban legend be based on an urban legend so the movie for the most part i would say does a good job of sticking with that logic most of the death scenes can be traced back to some urban legend sasha's death scene yeah she's doing a radio show she gets chased throughout the radio station really a good really good chase scene and then she just gets axed to bits basically well and also tara reed did her own stunts including the stunt of her falling from the uh staircase to the other to the bottom staircase and what was swung at her was an actual axe. I thought she would have been okay if she hadn't been crying and stumbling all over the place and being loud as hell with her cries and moving at really the slowest speed you could possibly move at while the killer slowly walked towards her. Well, to be honest, but, the, when she, the first time when she started moving slowly, it was after the fall and she would have sprained her ankle. I think the adrenaline should have had her moving fast even on the sprained ankle. I've, played, I've sprained my ankle by playing basketball and I finished the game because... Well, then don't play basketball. What I'm saying is that the fight or flight response, the adrenaline, if I'm being chased by someone with an axe and I sprain my ankle, that shit better be broken for me to actually like, like sell it and be like, oh my God, I can't move. If a, someone's after you with an axe, you're going to run your ass off and you're going to feel the ankle later on when you slow down. But in the moment, you're going to still, her fight or flight response is not there. She was like actually reacting to like, oh my God, my ankle. Like, hello, you're about to get axed to bits. See, Forget your get, ankle. And again, uh, and another thing that I'm guessing there's actually a few people who say something about this, but to me, that scene reminded me so much of Helen's scene from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Ah, okay. That's Sarah Michelle Gellar and, yeah. Yeah, and I Know What You Did Last Summer. She had a chase scene where the slicker man tried to kill her, kill her in the clothing department in her own parents' store. She gets out. And just, there's a good, pretty decent chasing there. They're both really good chasing. Yeah, and this one just reminded me way a lot like that one instead of being almost its own thing. The only difference is Sarah Michelle Geller could have gotten away had she actually continued running. Should have gotten away. Whereas this girl, she was fucked. She had a huge place to outmaneuver the killer, to get away from her. And by the way, it's her radio station, so she should know the ins and outs of that radio station way more than the killer should. Right. So she should have known how to maneuver her way back to the front door and gone out. She died in her own radio station, which she should know every which way out. That's, again, on her. But 
still that but if, you, still that, if she would have stopped crying and just started focusing yeah the, her death scene was still probably the most cold-blooded the killer actually did and also the only one i can think of that does not actually relate to an urban legend and, and by the way fun fact on that so actually because you mentioned her sarah michelle geller was actually originally going to play that role and had to drop out at the last second because she had her commitment to buffy um, but that could have been basically you could have been like wow the two best chase scenes of the 90s were from sarah michelle geller right which would have been crazy. How dare you, Sarah? Screw Buffy. You never even got bitten in the first place. Well, you know what's crazy? It was like she's in, she's in I Know You Last Summer, right? She's also in Scream 2. Yeah. So if she had done the trifecta and been an urban legend and then was in Buffy, like she would have been the Scream Queen of the 90s, basically. The one element of, the ur- of an urban legend that they threw in there with supposed to mimic is that, you know how she was like, she was crying, basically, and it was coming through on the speakers at the party. Right. Right. And then there's some urban legend about like um, a radio host or somebody like actually basically somebody being killed on air and then the audience thinking that it's like fake, basically part of the show. Sometimes I think they were trying to hint at that, but they didn't do a good job of getting that across. No, because they, uh, the only thing that makes me think that is literally the scene with the where she's at the party before she goes to the radio show and the guy comes up and goes, hey, you hear those screamers coming out of there? That's that's from uh that's from when the school had that massacre. No, it was the anniversary of that massacre that happened at that school. But that's a good question. When did this movie take place? Because the killer's outfit is like a winter outfit. So I know exactly why that is. Originally, they were set to start filming when it was winter, but then it started warming up. So, But instead of changing the killer's outfit, they just kept it normally. The way it was, even especially since you would have pretty much figured out who the damn killer was. The killer's wearing a damn Eskimo outfit. Well, again, it looks like he's they're about they're not going to kill me. They're going to brave the the cold, uh, cold winter of, of Antarctica. Well, again, so. the, they still wanted this to technically be winter time. It would have been cool if you had like a snowy backdrop with like ice and stuff. Amazing. Oh yeah. There's not enough horror movies that have that, but instead we have the killer walking around in that outfit. And everybody else just, like, dressing normal? like. Well, yeah. Yeah, again. And is anybody even wearing a jacket? <laughs> like, yeah, a lot of the characters wear jackets. It's just not heavy jackets. They're getting ready for spring. So they're getting taken off the winter jacket and keeping on the more lighter jackets that will keep you warm for fall, or we- fall weather. So one thing I'll say is, you hear the name Urban Legend. For me, the concept is amazing. Just hearing the idea of, like, this is going to be a movie where the death scenes are based on Urban Legends... I'm sold already. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. But there's a lot to live up there, basically. You have to actually, you have to make sure every death scene is in line with an urban legend. You have to make sure it's consistent. I was thinking of the whole time, which is funny, like, the closest thing to that would be the damn uh, scary scary stories to tell in the dark. Because um, <laughs> you think about it, that book originally is like kind of a book of urban legends, basically. Right. So that's what it made me think of, basically. This is like the OG scary stories to tell in the dark, or it was trying to be, basically. Um now, obviously, Scary Stories on the Rock is probably a way better movie. Um, <laughs> well, that's because it was made by Del Toro. Does the movie live up to the concept? We'll get into that. So the opening scene, what we get is it's raining. We get it's nighttime. We see a car driving in the rain on the road. We see the, we see the girl listening to the radio show of Sasha that we were just talking about and completely ruined for everybody. But because the show <laughs> sucks, she immediately turns that to a pop song from the 80s. That turn around. Yep. Every and then we get a really bad cover of that song because this girl can't sing. We're shite. Which, obviously, the song is 
giving us a hint by saying turn around, but right. the fact that her friend hated her show even turned her show off, <laughs> I mean, that tells us all you gotta know, but okay, but the song is giving us a hint there. We just cut to basically her driving for an endless amount of miles, driving so much in fact that she starts to run out of gas, but she passes by a gas station at first and doesn't even think to... Right. Which is, she drives, she passes by a sort of normal looking mainstream Wawa type of gas station, and then she notices, oh, I'm on E, and she has to settle for turning into a creepy-looking 1930s, nobody's gone there in 10, in 10 years gas station. Owned by Brad Dorif, if anyone knows who he is. Congratulations, give yourself a gold sticker. He's the voice of Chucky. And it's the first of... Well, now everyone gets a damn gold sticker. <laughs> well, the first of many um, Easter eggs and uh, horror callbacks and... Uh, fan, oh, they, fan service things. Yeah, they definitely do movie. a lot of fan service with this. We got a lot of horror cameos from horror. Uh, so Brad Dourif is the only one y'all are going to get the gold sticker for because he's the only horror icon that's actually not credited for this movie. Yes. I hope he got paid, though. Oh, he got paid. <laughs> he just wasn't credited. Because this is a very thankless role. <laughs> right. He's playing a gas... Especially since that thing, what, he gets kicked in the nuts. He gets well, pepper sprayed. Well, he's a gas attendant with a speech impediment mm, stutter cleaning his car cleaning the woman's car sees something odd and then goes away comes back and says hey your credit card company's on the phone your car got declined they want to talk to you come in the back and talk our female character we meet one thing i wanted to point out which immediately makes her unlikable after he was cleaning her car and went to the back she says freak show yeah i thought that was not good because immediately like wow what a judgmental judgmental not likable character this is. She's like, freak show! And later on in the movie, you actually found out she's a very unlikable character. Yeah, but I'm like, okay, well, pet maybe pet pee, but why not make your characters as likable as possible so the death has more impact? That's, that's, I feel like we always about Especially them. after finding out what her past actually is, you'd think she'd be a little bit more understanding of people. Yeah, as we'll find out later on, she should at this point be a remorseful human being. But, okay, she's like, freak show. And then, okay, so... She goes to the back to uh, supposedly talk to her credit card company, and the guy's like, ah, I gotta tell you something. I mean, he's stuttering, of course, so he can't really get his point across, but she immediately assumes that he's attacking her and says, oh my God, get away from me. Yep, uh, kicks him in the nuts, sprays him with the pepper spray. All this physical damage. Takes the, take, takes the phone, throws it out the window. That poor phone. <laughs> right, I mean, what did the phone ever do to you? Well, this is why it's a thankless role, because he just got his ass kicked for no reason. <laughs> He was just trying to be helpful. Right. So, and she then, and then runs you get back the, of the car. Yep, and then you get the... Gets in the car. By the way, cranks the music up. Now we're in full, turn around, Brian. And, and now as the audience, you're like, hey, does that song, does that, that mean something? The gas attendant starts to chase her a little bit, but he's an old, slow guy. Yeah, and then we finally get the line, someone's in your back seat. Which, thanks a lot, guy. If you could have just said that the whole time before, if you could have said that one line, you could have saved her life. Now, as he says that, it's almost like the killer hears him say that. And now the killer pops up at the back seat. Now, there's a lot of things with this scene. One thing is, I'm just going to cut right to the, the, the death scene. I have the back seat with an axe, right? That's not a lot of room to actually swing an axe. Did you see, like, a logistical? Like, I was like, logistically, does that work? How did... I don't think it would work because think about how much stuff. One, you got the headrest of the damn yeah, both the seats, and then and honestly, the way the axe comes through, it looks more like it pushes out instead of comes out, instead of slashes out. 
Also, you have to swing with a lot of velocity for it to actually to be to be able to decapitate someone. Yeah, it did. What she was, she was decapitated. That's uh, in the official police report. It did state she was decapitated. Because the way they cut, they cut in a way where you see the glass break, but you don't see like a head fall off or anything like that. You nope. see that. So the reason for that is that originally this movie was supposed to be PG thirteen. Okay. I mean, they still did film the scene with her head actually coming out of the window, but because they wanted it PG thirteen. They left that bit out. Okay. So again, given the the um, the wiggle room in the back seat there, and even her standing up, and yeah, could she have swung with enough room and velocity to actually chop her head off, or even kill her? I don't I, believe so. I gotta feel like she'd be like maneuvering around from in the back seat, like trying to get an angle. <laughs> By the way, also that thing is too the the main character. Oh, not the main character. The character there in the front seat. She actually sees her in the thing, the rear view, mm-hmm. before it happens. Like, you couldn't have slammed... Slamming on the brakes would have been her so natural reaction. Here's something uh, a lot of people pointed out, because, you know, trivia on IMDb, and my wife pointed out that when you see the axe go through this character, and once the first one scene, you see the car is moving. The minute you see the axe go through, you see the car is completely stopped. Okay. With the amount of velocity you need to take from... One second of going most likely 50 miles an hour to all of a sudden it stopped. The person in the back seat would have went through the windshield, most likely killing the driver because you just went through that person all at the same time. This is a good point. The other point, I said, imagine having to swing the axe while the car is moving. You're in the back seat and the car is going at that point probably because she was speeding off from the gas station. Right. Like, that's hard as hell while it's going fast. To maneuver and get the velocity going to do that without yourself falling over and so basically basically we established in this opening shot that the killer is jason Bourne. right so this is a highly trained professional now, i understand killer. why they use the axe an axe as the killer's weapon it's pretty intimidating not many people have used an axe i mean yeah you could say jason but jason only used it maybe one or two times yeah and not many people use that as their main weapon but well, still, when it comes to a car death scene like that, this should have been a just a plain old knife. It's hard logistically because like that, that looks like it's hard to do. So there's so there's that problem with it. The other thing is, okay. So as we know now, the killer was in the backseat the entire time. Yep. So we started the movie with her driving, driving for miles and miles and miles until the until the gas runs out. The killer's in the backseat the whole time, just chilling, like not. Well, yeah, they needed to wait until someone actually warned her. So that's the urban legend, is like somebody has to warn her first. Well, in the original urban legend, at least the one I've always heard, because every urban legend has different variations. The one I heard was the person's actually warning the driver with high beams. The story right. was originally called high beams, the one I heard. The person just kept flashing the high beams. And the girl, and the driver of the girl was always like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? Why is he always flashing me? Right. Finally pulls into a gas station where the driver of the truck pulls in with her. And again, okay. she's freaking out, goes inside the gas station to call the cops saying there's a creepy guy. When she comes back, the truck driver stops her and then tells her, don't get in there. There's someone in the back seat. I kept flashing you because that person kept coming up and had an axe. Okay. And so basically this movie has... That all kind of split up into two different things: the high beam thing, and then the killer. Right, because thing. they do have the high beams in a different story, instead oh. of what this, instead of this one. Okay, so let's forget about the legend for a second. Just the practicality of the killer himself. What would the killer have done if the gas attendant Brad Dorf actually successfully had warned her? What was the plan then? Like, you're in the she's in the backseat laying down. 
she hears, like, okay, he's taking her in to warn her. It just happened the woman's stupid and thinks she's being attacked and then gets away before he can get out his words up. She's in the back seat, but that's, to me, really risky from the killer standpoint to then just be in the back seat, laying, waiting for, well, hopefully she comes back and sits down and I can, as she takes off, I can, I just... So the thing I get and with... By, and by the way, the warning thing, like, for the killer perspective, it's like, nobody's going to know that or not. Like, you're just there to kill her. It's like, you're really going to wait and follow through for something no one's going to even know about? Right. I mean... He could have. She could have killed her eleven miles ago. So like, I thought that was. I thought that was like. Um, I don't like when like circumstances have to come together to make the killer's plan work. Yeah, and the problem with this movie is there's a lot of them like there's that. There's a lot of shit like that in this movie, no doubt. So that was the opening scene. I liked it though. Opening scene. Now we meet our characters, and our main character is. Um, uh, she's a redhead. She's a redhead. Finally. Thank you, Alicia Whip. This is the only reason why you actually recommended we watch this movie. Was Hell yes. And what's bad is, again, I completely forgot a redhead was the main actress until we started watching the movie. Character's name is Natalie. Character's name is Natalie. The actress is, is Alicia Witt. Now the she ca- played in Supernatural as an angel. Going to bring a lot of oh, Supernatural God. up in this because the show is over. It made me cry. Anyone who says they did not cry on the final episode... Or liars. And this whole movie's an audition tape for Supernatural, apparently. You're damn right. All the damn actors end up in Supernatural. There's four of them in this movie. Nick tells me to watch a show, and I will someday, but 15 seasons? Watch <sighs> the show. 15 seasons. You know what? I'm going to saw you. You know, that's I not, will become Jigsaw and make you watch That's not nice. Especially since Nick hasn't seen three seasons of Stranger Things. Folks, three seasons. He could watch it. He could catch up tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, but then I don't get to play games. So, um, Natalie, quite the casting process of this character. Uh, Originally, we had Melissa Joan Hart. Yep, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, my goodness. Which I don't think would have worked. Probably not. She's too much of a comedian. I've never seen her, like, in a dramatic role, so I don't know. Yeah, she's too much of a comedian, in my opinion. Then we had Reese Witherspoon. Would have been interesting to see her in a horror movie. Yeah, but, eh. She would go on to much greater things, so... Yeah. Um, like Sweet Home Alabama <laughs> and Legally Blonde. Um, oh, but could she have played Redhead if the... She wouldn't have been Redhead. They would have kept it with her natural hair color. Yeah, I guess, the, I guess her hair color didn't really matter script-wise. So no, that's true. They, but, didn't, they didn't an actress. But the most interesting possibility was Jennifer Love Hewitt. Man, she missed out on becoming a scream, scream queen even though she did a, a ghost show. Well, not like that. She's in... Both I Know What You Did and I Still Know What You Did. She should have been on I Always Know What You Did, but they completely screwed that pooch. Yeah, I don't think anybody's seen I Know if, if, I Always Will Know. If anyone did. says we should watch I Always Know What You Did last summer, I promise y'all will be watching with me. No. You will share my misery. I will not put our audience to that kind of uh, share pain my and transgression. Misery. Yeah, she didn't want to be typecast, so she said no to this. Which is funny because, again, she goes on to a supernatural-based drama called Ghost Whisperer. Yeah, but there was some stuff in between where she tried to branch out and do um, a movie with Jackie Chan. (laughs) Nobody saw that movie. Wait, wait, really? The Tuxedo, yeah. Oh, jeez, monkeys. It was in theaters one week, and the next week it was (laughs) somewhere on TV. Um, So through all that, we finally got to Alicia Witt. Playing Natalie, who, of every horror movie I can think of, Halloween, um, Scream, I Know What You Did, probably my least liked protagonist. Really? You actually liked Jennifer Love Hewitt and I Know What You Did last summer? I disliked her, but 
she's the lesser of two evils compared to Natalie, who has... And now, what, what's puzzling to me is that, yeah, Alicia Witt, apparently, from what I've read, is a good actress, a considered good actress. Good actress. She actually had, she was actually nominated for uh, two awards with this movie in general. A Razzie, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. But um, yeah, it was still uh, was, uh, best performance by a young actress. You know, Razzie, she, Razzie is like the worst award. I really don't care. <laughs> best <laughs> performance. A blockbuster award or MTV award maybe at the most. So. I don't know. All I know is best performance by a young actress. I don't. And then best performance by the main actress. I don't get it. One of the, one of the things that didn't work about this movie for me was that her character, I don't, I'm not saying it's the acting, but I just felt no likability or sympathy towards her character. Again, the actress, like, she had one facial expression the entire movie, and it was one, like, look of, like, being slightly worried and slightly panicked. But that was her reaction to everything, was this look of slight panic and slight worry. She didn't have any moments of... I would, I would have liked to connect with her, but my wife would kill me. One thing that could help this movie is they play it very straight. This movie could have used a little bit more... Um, Comedic effect? Yeah. A little bit of light, more lightness to it. The characters are all very... Um, See, the problem The is, tone is very serious. The problem with that is this movie already gets shit on for being a Scream remake, in a sense. But Scream had that sort of those comedic moments. That's the problem. They didn't want the comedic moments. I mean, beat for beat, they copied a lot of stuff from Scream. I mean, and all the self-referential I mean, yeah, stuff. And you, it, got the, um, you got the damn Deputy Dewey-like cop coming to save the day at the end, but not really. Oh, uh, yeah, Divine or Devine, however her last name is said. She played the psychic in Supernatural. I got to say, she's probably the most, like, I'm, I've made a, a rant before about how cops in horror movies are always useless. She does have some value. She does do some correct things. She's probably one of the more useful cops I've seen in a horror movie. I'll say that. Thing is, we still don't know what happened to her at the end. Most likely died. She's gone. She's finished. <laughs> She's useful until she died. So we have Natalie. We have her best friend, the Nagzima girl. Um, oh, Rebecca yeah. Gayhart. Brenda. Brenda, who I won't say anything as of yet, but Brenda. By the way, you know what the character's last name is? Brenda. You're going um, to love this. Bates. <laughs> yeah. They were being very, was that, very was, subtle with this. Brenda Bates is her name. Was that the. That had to be the only clue we ever get in the entire movie well i don't know if they even say it in the movie they don't i I had to look on the cast list her name is brenda bates they never say it in the movie that's probably why neither myself or my wife or my wife really because she's never seen the movie until i made her watch it ever figured it out i'm hoping they do say it but i don't think they do actually they don't because i most likely would have picked up on it psycho is a great ass movie well, every, all the characters in the movie should have picked up on it. They should, someone should have been like, hey, isn't your last name Bates? But <laughs> right. that always never leads or to good things. Or at least things, at so. the very or at the very least. I know it's not uh, making fun of horror movies like Scream did, but it's still something that the characters should have been like, you know, we're all into this urban legend. Most likely there's a good amount of them into horror as well. Yeah, they're kind of tied together. Exactly. Urban so, legend, horror, it kind of goes so together. So why did no one pick that up? Jared Leto, who's um, gone on to be a Joker and do a lot of stuff, a lot of weird stuff, actually. But he plays a journalist here who, you know, interesting enough, he gets top billing, actually. He's the, the top billed actor in the movie, in the cast. But I again, don't get why. He's, in, yeah, he's only in maybe half the movie if you actually time it. I think he was the most famous actor coming into the movie. You got Robert England. They're not going to give a cameo by Robert England as the main character. They do to Steven Seagal in all of his movies. <laughs> he's usually the main character. Half, not anymore. He's only in maybe a total of 15 minutes of the whole movie. He still gets top billing. Only you would know that. What are you doing watching Steven Seagal movies? What's wrong with you? 
I like to torture myself in my sleep. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, <laughs> I mean right up there next to the Children of the Corn sequels is Steven Seagal's last ten movies. I would never sit down and watch that. Any of Steven Seagal movies. He had some good ones way back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the early 90s. Under Siege is probably the only one any I actually like. Under Siege Part 2. Um, what was the thing? Okay, so Jerry Leto basically plays a journalist person, but again, him being our main character with Natalie. I don't like either of these characters. Neither of them are sympathetic. This dude is like basically, first of all, he definitely doesn't act like a college student at all. He looks like he's actually like a 35-year-old journalist. But secondly, I don't know if his motivation is to actually get the story, to actually help somebody. He's not really clearly defined and not really likable. So our two main characters are not likable. And another thing about uh, the, especially their chemistry is they don't really have one. Yeah. They're supposed to be... Um, they're eventually, romantically um, exactly they eventually become romantic with each other and you just don't buy it you don't buy it because you actually think he's still just hanging out with her to get, a, to get the story exactly as it goes deeper in and he gets more suspicious of her and he starts to find his backstory on her you're just more like well does he even like her I would still like her I'd like her she too was, she was a beautiful woman I thought, she still is we also have a smithering of side characters who don't mean that much to the movie, but we'll go through them real quick. There's only one side character that actually meant anything, and she didn't get that much screen time. The, the or, aforementioned Sasha. Yes. Which, going by the beginning of the movie, after that opening scene, we cut to Sasha at the radio station. It seems like she's being built as her main character. But then, like, once they cut to, like, Brenda and Natalie, it seems like Sasha only shows up towards the end at the party, and then... She's really underutilized and underdeveloped. Yeah, because apparently she's not as close friends with Natalie as Brenda and Natalie are. That thing is, like, uh, her and Michael Rosenbaum, who would go on to beautifully play Lex Luthor in Smallville, which is a good show. Him and Sasha are a couple, mm. but you really don't get to see that much. They're, they're both very underdeveloped, I Right. Say. They're both... Fr- they've, I mean, we learned I got a sense they're both interesting characters, but just there's We not- learned enough about Parker to know exactly that... We don't need to like this guy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but there's something they make him almost like too much of an asshole. It's it's almost unbelievable that he would be that unreasonable to where he thinks everything's a joke. Well, he could have been drunk at the party too. Is why he thought it was a joke. <laughs> uh, let's also Joshua Jackson who played Damien, mm-hmm. who at the time actually was Dawson's Creek was really big at the time, so. He was actually one of the more famous people. Like I remember, like on the video watching on the the, the trailer, thinking he was going to be like a bigger character in the movie, and then being surprised when he checked out pretty early. Yeah, he was the second death um, in the whole movie. He was like trying to use the whole thing to get over with the girl. Oh um, uh, yeah, the whole thing about his uh, girlfriend dying. Yeah, that was funny. Um, and then there is another top build actor because I know, or I guess not top build, but there's another extremely high level high prolific actor in this movie and she's doesn't get that much screen time either i think she's third or fourth death in it danielle harris oh wow okay so she played the goth friend the first time you meet her you know she's having sex with somebody danielle harris who um we know from the halloween movies four and five jamie lloyd um she also was in the halloween remakes with rob zombie less said the better um (laughs) we'll just say the original halloween series is what she's most known for also, uh, I've only seen the underrated Bruce Willis movie, The Last Boy Scout. She plays or, his daughter. Is actually really hell, good. Hell, so. any any beam horror slasher movie in, anymore? She's in. She's in. See No Evil Part Two. You go on Tubi TV, type her in. You'll probably get like a hundred damn movies. I got a fun thing for you. Do you remember she was actually in an episode of Boy Meets World? 
she was. She was Harvey Keitel's little sister. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot her name in the show, but she was fun there too. So. Why do we keep bringing up Boy Meets World? By the way. I mean, I think this is relevant. <laughs> We're talking about Daniel Harris. I mean, she. She's All right, still, so. She's still beautiful. So her her scene basically, she's a goth goth chick. Goth chick uh, always wants to be on the internet because it's new, it's exciting. Well, it's funny the way the way she was living her life back then is how everybody lives their life now. <laughs> right. Like in their room, doing a damn chat room basically. My high school did not have a big goth crowd, so I never really got it. Like I just got it by watching their movies and stuff, but I never like got it. To be completely honest, the goth crowd in my school were more the trendy goths, not the actual ones. Okay. They're more like, oh, this is this looks pretty cool. I'm gonna wear it myself now. So Not this, really goth. So this had to be also just like Hollywood's interpretation of what goth is. Exactly. So probably not realistic. But credit to the scene though. If the opening scene scene suggested that our killer was like Jason Bourne, also <laughs> our killer is also techno very technologically adept and like is actually chatting with her online randomly in this chat room. Oh yeah. Like, damn, the amount of research the killer has done is crazy. So by the way. Especially finding out where the killer is when so, he's chatting wait a with her. Did the killer have an iPhone? Like, where is the killer at chatting with her? Uh, that, that is weird. Cause In the closet with a laptop? like Because at one point, it was literally just sitting there like, what room are you in? She goes in to freshen up and comes back and it says yours. Which is a cool ass, like, like oh my God. Which is pretty neat, but at the same time, what? you brought up how they... Because the only computers they had back then were had to be stationary because they were brand damn new. You had The computer was the actual box on the floor, and the monitor is the screen you're looking at. There was no such thing as laptops back then. Let's say there was a laptop. Did she literally, like, know her Wi-Fi password? Like, how the <laughs> hell did she connect to it? Right, because, again, there was no technical Wi-Fi. They all, it was all Ethernet cable. Okay, she goes to the bathroom after asking the question, like, where are you at, basically? She comes back and sits down, and it says on the screen something like... Yours. It just says yours. Yours. When she came to sit back down, the killer had to be right there in the room, basically. As soon as she sits down and sees it, the killer grabs from behind. Right. Looking at the room, where the hell was the killer standing at? Now, when she sits down, the killer pops up magically behind her. Maybe laying down on the other side of the bed where she couldn't physically see unless she turned around to look. Because she didn't turn around and look. She went straight to that computer. Okay. And another thing I think I may have figured out the context of the computer is maybe in the original, in the earlier scenes while talking to him, she was probably in maybe a, the room next to him talking on that computer. And then when she asked, what room are you in? Maybe heard slightly that she went into the bathroom. So ran into their room, typed in yours on her computer. And maybe hit on the bed or some shit. Exactly. It's, it's, it, it's possible. It just like... It's just very unbelievable. It's like so far the timing for this killer is working out so perfectly in, in their favor mm -hmm. to make these kills happen. There's a lot of circumstances that has to happen. Like if she doesn't go to the bathroom, does the killer still just pop up randomly without her know? Like it's so convenient. It made it actually more like it's a possibly a supernatural killer. I mean, I know Scream kind of played off. Supernatural Eskimo. Yeah. I know Scream kind of played that bit off, but then again, Scream had a better way of doing it. Yes. Because they had the two killers instead of just the one. Yes. Everything was screaming. You go back and look at it with a fine comb. Actually, everything makes sense because there's two killers, so everything is possible. So anyways, Daniel Harris, at that point, is attacked. Natalie walks in, and because they established earlier that, you know... Uh, she has sex in there, and she does not like being interrupted. So Turn Natalie, the fucking light off is literally what she says. Natalie automatically assumes, oh, she's just having sex. Goes and, what, lays on her bed and throws in some headphones, listens to Backstreet Boys, and goes to sleep. Yep. Maybe in sync. I don't know. They don't she want wants it. it that way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's good. Has apparently the most blissfully deep sleep ever. Because when she wakes up in the morning, not only is her roommate dead, but there's a big-ass bloody painting on the wall. 
saying, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Could anybody have slept through that? Possibly. Again, it depends on what she exactly she was listening to. She could she could be a metalhead for all we know and was listening to metal at high volume, which guess what? You ain't hearing shit. So the killer took the time to grab a bunch of blood from her roommate, I guess, mm -hmm. and was sitting there like on a chair. Yep. Spelling on the wall. Yep. Like, like a child. I, I mean, I don't... <laughs> Like, as far as competence, this is the best killer ever. This killer can do anything. So. Which makes me wonder why in the world she failed at the end of it. Well, like, we, we already know whoever the killer is. We know that there's always, there's going to be a thing where once you reveal yourself, you become an incompetent, three stooges, goofy, stumbling, bumbling, whatever. So that's going to happen. But at this point in the movie, I'm like, yo, this killer is amazing. Now, so we have... Um, we actually skipped the death I probably should mention. Oh, Day I was going to go back to Damien's death. Yeah. So Damien, and one thing I gotta mention is really funny. The one funny moment in the movie, but only you would only notice something you're a Dawson's Creek fan, was that in the car, when he's warming with the car, he hits a thing and the music comes on. Do you remember like music came on for like 10 seconds? Oh yeah. It's the damn <laughs> Dawson's Creek intro song. And he's like, oh shit. He's like, that was the one really fun inside reference. Back to Damien, who, um, as we said earlier, basically is trying to get over on uh, Natalie by... Using a sob story to get into Natalie's pants. His ex-girlfriend died and... So he understands what she's going through. She sees through it, proceeds to punch him in the face like four times. But she has a pretty damn good fist on her. I mean, seriously, think about how loud that punch was exactly. I mean, I don't blame her. That's not exactly. If you wanted to try and flirt with her and try and get into her pants, that is not the way to do it. And so I don't blame her one bit. She, he deserved to get punched. But damn, she has a pretty good fist. The one, the one thing about that scene was that... I kind of felt like they were friends. Yeah. It seemed like, yes, he was making a move, earlier, but it seemed like they had a rapport where they were friends. Well, another thing is, earlier she even stated that, you know, he used to be normal before he joined the frat. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't, they, so turn, they, they turned into basically him being almost like a random dude coming onto her, but it seemed like they knew each other well enough for that not, for him not to get punched in the face. Well, and also, it would have been, it would at least have been like, uh, Damien, you're an asshole. And I know you're an asshole. It also explains how one, he, was able he got into her room and she not get scared about it yeah and why she would so comfortably agree to go on in his car and drive off if he was just a random frat guy she knows she wouldn't have done that because because they were a friend group basically mm -hmm. you saw when they're sitting together they're like they're one friend group basically and you could tell by her face she wasn't believing the story again because we don't know how long they were friends for but they were obviously good enough friends to where she wasn't too frightened by him uh, suddenly appearing yeah, in her Yeah, she damn was playing room. him the whole time. The yeah. whole, my ex-girlfriend dies. Like, why Why would you do a story You can tell the exact like moment when she's like, oh, this is bullshit. Right. They show her face like an exact moment. She's like, this is bullshit. Exactly. And then she's like, oh, okay. Got him. <laughs> I was just like, damn. So, goes to take a piss. Which people do. Which actually is like a, a real... Believable thing, actually. Which, again, part of the... Uh, so, the urban legend they're actually using for this is a variation of the Hookman story. Which, they can't call it the Hookman story just because... I know what you did last summer already played off of that with yes. the entirety of the movie. And that's actually, ironically, that's the, urban, the Hook thing is like... Probably the most well-known urban legend is the Hook story. Is, which is why they couldn't use it And I know what you did last summer. So, this is what we get here with, with Damien is... Him hanging by the tree with his feet scraping off the top of the car. Her in the car, Natalie, hearing something scratching at the top, not knowing what it is. But the whole gimmick is, basically, if she drives the car, 
that's going to then accelerate and then hang Damien. Right. So the killer is basically now forcing trying to her to kill him. Trying to motivate her to drive. Which this Which actually she does so basically she actually was the one that killed him. Right, but here's the thing I want to point out though. This killer takes a beating in this scene. Because not only does because right. the killer jumps up on the car, starts banging on it and that and that makes her move, which makes the killer kind of fly a little bit. But then she also slams the brakes because of the tree stopping and the killer flies off the car. So we're going to be coming back in a little bit and calling bullshit in a lot of this. Oh, yeah. But let's just say for now, from what I've seen, this killer, because by the way, the killer also jumps Damien, ties him up, hangs him from a tree, and then does all this stuff with the car with the beat up. This killer so far is damn near superhuman, overpowering, a Jason Voorhees motherfucker, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, so far, it better. All, all I'm saying is, so far, this killer is like, the thing I'm building is this killer is amazing so far. You right. look at these first few death scenes... It's like the most competent, like savvy, and high risk too. The killer's like not afraid to do shit in public. The timing is perfect. I'm just saying it's an impressive killer so far. So far, more, the killer's more impressive than Ghostface. Um, well, he can't go in a dream, so I can't say more impressive than Freddy. But, <laughs> but he's right up there with Jason. Right. Well, I guess now we're now we're pretty much going full circle back to Tosh because there is one thing I wanted to mention about Tosh's death. I just called her Dana Harris, so we didn't actually say her name. Before. Either way, Tosh, Tosh is that. So we mentioned she was strangled first, which was her actual kill, was the strangulation. Yeah. But And then the guy, uh, then Brenda, slit the wrist and painted the walls. So the whole movie decided to use the gimmick. The, the first two things, the first two deaths, they had a reason for why they were done. First one, tragic accident. Uh, second one, guy just went off as the weekend you know it's plausible this one makes no damn sense because they called it a suicide like do you know she was on antidepressants like bitch she was strangled she should have damn strangle she should have damn hand marks i don't care if you're wearing gloves you, you should see a bruising on her neck and what about the bloody mess on the wall yeah how is she gonna while she she slit her wrist and then while dying took the time to make this damn message especially and it would not look that well made it would be all over no, the place. She be, most likely wouldn't have finished it. She'd be it. passing out with like just sleepy, just passing out while she after she cut her wrist. So. Exactly. So how so how dumb uh, are the cops that they were like, hey, yeah, suicide. And the fact that the person that called it was uh Lord well, I forgot her name. The the school security guard. She's the one who called it as suicide. She has no legal right to do that because she is not an actual cop. She did no real investigation on the Sight You're talking general. about uh, Rose, the Deputy Dewey cop? The Deputy Dewey cop. So basically, they're thinking that that, note, that bloody message of the wall was actually a suicide note? A suicide note. A very morbid one. Gotta make sense. <laughs> How does that kind of make sense? <laughs> I'm killing myself. I'm gonna tell my roommate, aren't you... Aren't, aren't you, you glad you didn't turn on the lights so you didn't see me die? It's like, my last thing as I'm dying is to get over on my roommate. <laughs> it's like... like for, you didn't pay half the rent this month. Ah, fuck um, that. First backstory we should mention is... The one with the entire school, the massacre that happened, because that plays okay. a major role in the supposed cover-up that the killer is trying to pull off. Which, by the way, to me, this is like, uh, major, this is too much plot. Well, yeah. There's way too much red herrings with this movie, because you got, actually, Robert England and Julian Richings. Julian Richings is the janitor. Yes, he's the this janitor. This janitor is like... It's creepy as shit. He's played so creepy. It's such an obvious red herring. You're like, okay, 
you're putting like uh, 5,000 signs saying, this is the killer, this is the killer. Obviously, that's not the killer. But they just, I guess the director just told the guy, like, hey, listen, just be as creepy and as possible. Which, I'm pretty sure the dude was like a, a psychotic pedophile. Pretty which, sure. Which, again, I'm going Maybe to Maybe he's not up, the urban legend killer, but he is something. Right. But I'm going to bring up Supernatural again, because Julian Richings, the janitor, he goes on to, Ju to Supernatural as a pretty major character. He plays death up until his death. So for some reason, the casting director of Supernatural... This is their favorite movie. Apparently. They, they didn't also, do any research. They just watched this movie and said, hey, we got our cast of Supernatural. For the most part. Too much of red herring. Too obvious. It's clearly not the janitor. And then they also got another red herring with Robert England. They didn't pl play this off a little bit more subtly than they did with the janitor. And, the, except for his back room where he actually the, had an axe and the damn jacket. He's a professor who actually talks about urban legends. Yes. He has them. He has uh, the one guy. He has Damien eat the pop rocks with the soda well originally he asked uh brenda to do it but she refused to drink the soda is that actually like a legitimate urban legend the whole pop rock soda there or? is apparently uh, and they even bring it up you know a child actor for a commercial ended up like dying because mikey. of mikey yeah mikey ended up dying because of it but Supposedly. robert england was like well, what if i told you next slide this was him so they expose that. Exactly. So, But they do play that off, though, later on with um, uh, Parker. Parker's death. Yes. Because it's not, although they don't use Pop Rocks, so these Pop Rocks and... Drano. Which all you needed was the Drano. <laughs> but the, you don't need the Pop Rocks. But you still need the Pop Rocks to make the urban legend. Yeah, I get that. But the Drano is the thing that killed him. Yeah, exactly. Maybe the Pop Rocks didn't give him like a, just a good, fun taste before he died. <laughs> I'm um, sure. I'm sure the guy was like, "Oh, oh, oh, yeah, give me that Pepsi." Nice. No, 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 that's not Pepsi. <laughs> Let's talk about Parker's death for a second. Well, we already talked about Sasha's. We don't really need to talk about the dog because you know. Well, the, this is all about. So this is urban legend with uh, the old lady Parker. drying her dog, uh, drying her dog in the microwave. Well, there's two things that happen. One thing, he gets a phone call, which was which obviously is a homage to Scream. Yes. But and instead of you know what's your favorite scary movie, it's what urban legend am I in right now? But which Joke's he, on you. I'm not babysitting. He guesses wrong because he guesses the babysitter, which is clearly wrong. But again, the boldness of the killer who has planned this death scene at a big party with a lot of people there. Where the dog thing happens, by the way. How did that happen? Because even the microwave has people in it when he goes in there. Not only that, but that should smell. A lot of people, everyone in that house should be running out of that house because something smells You're bad. telling me this killer risks like going into a crowd house with a microwave full of people drinking and put a dog in the microwave. Yes. I just, again, this killer is like like operating on like every single death scene could like kill the whole plan and be exposed then basically. Every single death scene is like a risky ass proposition. Now, granted, with the writing, the killer is pulling it off successfully with every scene. But my, okay, dog in the microwave, crowded house. Then you have to know that the guy's gonna react by going upstairs into an isolated bathroom. First of all, let's get in the head of Parker for a second. You see the dog thing, right? Clearly something's wrong here. Your reaction is to run away from the party by yourself and put yourself in a vulnerable position where your head's in the toilet? See, my first I thing... I was just stupid! My first thing would be, where's my gun? <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you, one... Hey, I, I love dogs, but... Well, another thing I'd be I'd doing... I'd be like, who, the, who was I just talking to on the phone? Well, another thing I'd be doing is looking at the people that was already in that kitchen is like, y'all didn't stop that? The only thing he had to do to live... <laughs> was just stay downstairs with the party. He did the one thing that would lead to his death, which is go isolate yourself upstairs. Which I guess because Sasha didn't really have really a stupid death, they had to give that Helen stupidity to Parker. I feel like Parker, they're just like, okay, let's... They, they forgot about him. They're like, oh, we gotta, we gotta do something with him. We gotta kill him off. 
Let's just take two minutes and do some dumb shit. So he should have been safe in a public place at that party. Yeah. It, within the plot, I don't know if killing him even was necessary, but. Well, here's another unnecessary death, but it happened. The dean. The dean. He was no, okay. very unnecessary. This was a ripoff of the principal and Scream getting killed. Well, because even that also was kind of like okay. But well. at, the, at the same time, we because you find because. Uh, of who the killers are in Scream, they have kind of a connection to the principal. This yes. one, not the killer really has no real connection except for principal is kind of helping her clear things up. I, I think maybe there was some personal vendetta against the Dean that we didn't know about because that, it mean, just seems, it just seems out of the way. I mean, consider the fact she's trying to actually frame Robert England's character as the killer. I get that. It, it's probably why she killed the Dean, but then Robert even felt like the dean wasn't paying him enough. Exactly. So, in the, within the context of, of course, the professor would kill the dean because well, uh, and the he whole, denied him that pay raise. And the whole story is that apparently Robert England, you know, being the sole survivor of the massacre, uh, obviously has PTSD from it. So, just and every year, the story goes every year he gets a little bit more insane until finally this year he just pops and starts going he on a killing spree. Perfectly reasonable in that teaching scene where he was talking about Mikey. Oh, right. But. Like it didn't really, they really, but they also, there is a scene they actually cut out. So, and, but they did not cut the entirety of the scene out. What it was is, so he was talking about the urban legend when his watch goes off. So he turns around to start to pull out pills, but then you hear the girls laughing. So he turns around without taking them. Oh. So the actual scene was actually supposed to be him taking the pills out and taking them. But maybe that was heartburn medicine. Do we know that was like nope, psycho pills? It, because it was. Because it was his watch reminded him to take the pills. It was pills originally for his PTSD and whatever is wrong with his head. It okay. keeps him sane. They should have kept that scene in. They should have, but they didn't. So that way it could have played more with, well, did he just not take his pills and make some crazy now? Because he was another red herring. suspect red herring. Basically. Yeah, because you got the one scene where they go through his office, see in his back room an axe, the damn coat. And a bunch of a bunch of things referencing urban legends. So eventually, we find him in a as a dead body in a trunk, basically. Yep. And that eliminates him as a as a possibility. Yep. But I want to bring up the dean's death because it actually is a urban legend kill, and right. that is the person hiding under the car that slits the dean's Achilles tenant. Yes. The part that kind of annoys me about this death. So his death, he's crawling away from the car as it's following him. And then he just turns around and lets the car hit him into the safety spike. He stops at the exact point he needed to stop at to land backwards into the safety spike. Exactly. Spikes. What annoys me is why... It, I understand you can't get up. Your Achilles tendon is gone. You're fucked. You yeah. can't walk. Why didn't you Lay roll down. out of the way? Okay, that's true. But what if he... I mean, the car apparently was high enough off the ground that he could have laid down because the car just kept going. I was like, did the car actually, like, the tires didn't run over him, right? No, the tires didn't run over him. He was hit by the hood when he sat up. If he laid perfectly still down, mm-hmm. apparently. is there a chance the car just goes over him? It, it did in the movie. And maybe he gets some damage, but not, like, actual ran, not actually ran exactly. over Exactly. But what ended up, but again, he also could have laid down and rolled out of the way of the car. Yeah. So he got rolled the, sideways. He got the worst case scenario where they got hit by the hood. But then he also landed in the soaps. And I'm going to mention, my wife made me pause at this point. Okay. She busted out laughing. And her only words while she was laughing that I could make out was, he got forked. <laughs> I could see that. I was just like, 
damn, my wife actually said that. I'm so proud. So the dean's gone. We talked about Sasha's death. Um, it was a brutal death we had at the end. If we had Natalie just being useless at the, at the beginning or at the bottom of the radio station, just be <laughs> right. like, "No, don't do it." And then we get the wave. And when they when when the killer waves, the first time actually they zoom in on the face. And you can see that there's a mask. Right. So they have a ski mask on. Not a ski mask, but like a a, wi- a winter face mask, mm-hmm. basically. So that's why you can do close-ups on the killer, like when they're driving like that, and not actually see the face. Nope. The face is protected. So, and then you get probably the dumbest death in the whole damn movie, because we just talked about Robert England, because Brenda, Natalie, and Jared Leto's characters all tried to leave the town, but for some reason, Brenda's like, let's stop here and call the cops. Yes. I mean, granted, we know why Brenda didn't now want it to leave. Now, it eventually makes all sense, but in the moment right now, we're just saying, okay, well... Why? Maybe you need gas, you need to call the cops, but... But, but and then they even, find... Even Jared Leto, like, he's like, okay? Exactly. He so, agrees to it, but... Yeah, but still, and then they find Robert England's body in the trunk of the car. And they start running... Back to the campus. Because now our final red herring is... Dead. Oh, well, yeah. No, no, no. no. For a moment now, Jared Leto's a now red herring, too. Well, yeah. Because but, the body's in his car, so... Yeah, but our second red herring is uh, probably the dumbest death in the whole fucking movie. Our janitor. Janitor. So, girl gets in. See... And also, why does everyone seem to have the same exact coat? I don't know. Because, you know, the janitor also had the same winter coat. That Robert England and the killer have. Let's say it's one, it's one small town with one small clothing store. And they all shop at the same I store. guess so. But anyway, so then they kill that off real quickly by using the headlights, uh, Urban Legend, which they actually already brought up earlier in the movie with the flashback of why Natalie is really being hunted. Okay, but this is, again, my pet peeve is like, wow, some of these death scenes... The killer is getting the most perfect timing and circumstantial things happening in their favor. So in this case, two things happen that are very coincidental. First thing, as Natalie and Brenda split, Natalie goes up the main road, and who would pull over to pick her up except the our, jan- our creepy janitor? Of course he happens to be driving by. Hey, that's not a coincidence. That's just like, hey, that, that makes sense. So she gets in with him. He's being all creepy, of course. Why would you want to? Yeah, he's saying some creepy stuff. Just like, she's like, uh, let me out here. He's like, you don't want to get out here. We'll keep going. I'm like, okay, this dude this is obviously probably a, a pedophile or something like that. This is weird. Well, I mean, he can't be a pedophile because he's kind of perving on her. Yeah. This she, she's an adult at this point. She's this in college. There's something weird about this guy. So what happens to him is probably not a disservice to humanity. But, okay, they're driving. And then here we see now coming the car with the headlights turned off. Mm-hmm. And our creepy Jenner... Flashes the oh the creepy janitor's like goddamn kids. <laughs> flashes it as 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 Natalie says no don't do it, and of course that is our killer who seeing the signal turns around and starts following them. Okay, that chain of events that, that I described is so coincidental and so just in the service of the plot and not like would never happen in real life. Like here's the real question: Did did uh? So I'm going to assume the re. The Wait, like, where the hell was the, co- the killer driving from or to? Oh, nowhere. The car what was, was their plan? Just to, like, what if the car just drove by them? Like, was she going to still turn around? <sighs> Probably not, to be honest, because it's getting closer to the end game for the killer. So. Yeah, but the killer definitely still wants, wants to, to kill Natalie to get 
finish her plot, basically. Exactly. I, like, I don't understand the killer even being in a car at this point. But anyways, from that, so, the killer drives Creepy Jenner guy off the road. And this is where you're saying this gets stupid. So because. the stupid part <laughs> is all, the car doesn't flip. And for one, also, I mean, I understand she hit it from the side. So the guy loses control of the truck and it falls off. But what was what stopped the janitor from slamming his brakes? Because I'm sorry, that truck would have beat that car in a head-to-head collision. Yes. And, or back-end head collision. But So, goes over, and all you see is the truck just goes down the ditch. The janitor, a, janitor seemed to be in control for a second. Yeah, but then all of a sudden, he was just like, ah! <laughs> He but, starts screaming. But then, it, then apparently, he, uh, I guess, cracked his head up against something, because you see some blood on his head. I, so, it's inconclusive, but apparently, he's dead. <laughs> Uh, the apparently the internet states he died in that scene, and she hops up the car with no not a, problem, not a scratch on at her. all. And I'm just that's again, it's the dumbest fucking death scene in the whole damn movie. Almost every one of them, at least the actual kills, not the build up leading to the kills, but the actual kills, kind of made sense that the person is dead. Yes, this one does not. Go fuck yourself. So now we get to our. Our big reveal because oh first as, I want to I want to point out that the killer uses a recording is apparently not supposed to be a recording but you could tell it is still Sasha screaming somebody help me from when she was in the uh, radio tower oh. it was original apparently it was actually supposed to be Brenda screaming that but they just re looped Sasha and pulled it, pulled it well, off as Brenda well Natalie says. Brenda, is that you? So Natalie seems to think it's Brenda's voice. Exactly. Though, so. Even though if you pay attention to the actual voice and how it is, it's literally the same loop Sasha was doing at the radio tower. That's interesting. So the filmmakers got lazy there and didn't I record guess Brenda screaming? There, there's a lot of things. You could kind of tell the filmmakers they kind of get lazy. But uh, So they go to the area where the supposed massacre happens. Where, of course, then you get your pretty much find the bodies hide-and-seek game where she goes through all the bodies. Classic Jason Voorhees stuff. Exactly. And then we get to Brenda laying on a bed. Dead. Or not dead. Not dead because dead, but she's she's breathing. Breathing. She's freaking breathing and Natalie's like, oh my gosh. I'm and she's laying late. on the bed with no visible wound, no blood, nothing. Just, and she was just peacefully there. sleeping. Yeah, and then Natalie lays down like, crying like her friend is dead until she gets knocked up. Fuck the women in this damn movie. They apparently are boxers with how hard they hit. Uh, Holy! How hell. hard they get hit. <laughs> so this goes back to our thing I was bringing up earlier. The other background plot of Natalie and her friends killed some guy on the road doing little um the headlight thing. The headlight trick, and it happened to be Brenda's boyfriend that was supposedly going to marry her after they graduated high school. And this was in the car was Natalie, and- Sasha. No, but, Sasha wasn't in it. It was just Natalie and the girl from the beginning. Oh. Sasha, again, that's why I said Sasha's death was extremely cold-hearted. True. Okay. So Natalie and the girl from the beginning were the uh, the evil culprits, basically. Mm-hmm. But they got off with, what, probation? Obviously, they didn't do Probation because uh, they were, uh, from what I understand of the story, they kind of lied about exactly what happened. And which case, the cops just let them off with probation instead of manslaughter. So I can't be the only one that feels like, okay, knowing this now, you've basically, basically for me, eliminated all sympathy towards Natalie because she kind of deserves whatever she's going to get now because 
she did kill a mofo and got off like okay now pretty much scot free now okay that was brenda's boyfriend right right brenda's got a solid case to be mad here <laughs> you got off scot free so i'm doing vigilante street justice but that doesn't explain Brenda. Brenda able to do everything she did in this damn movie. We're gonna get to that, but we gotta finish explaining the movie. Finish the plot summary. So, so Brenda does the typical twenty minutes of explaining her motivation. She she rants for a while. Too. Oh yeah, it, it was a God. good. It was she a won't good shut thing. up. I'm like, and then, I love this movie. And then now I'm gonna bring this up because it kind of doesn't make sense with the rest of it. So now understand this scene was actually shot completely last. They did. Because apparently test audiences felt like Natalie was still not in that much danger against Brenda. So what they so they started showing the actual cut across to get to the kidney. I thought that was disgusting and out of place. So the reason the reason for it is originally that was not actually filmed. Which if you watch the movie after that, Natalie acts like she did, she never got a wound on her. Yep. Okay. Because because originally she didn't in the original cut of the film, but test audiences felt like natalie was not in any real danger which takes away the intensity of the movie they thought adding her cutting her kidneys added something to the movie positive it would have only added something to the movie if she still acted like she had the wound throughout the rest of the movie yeah she should be in pain yeah especially with she how, bleeding out exactly so but the fact that she then ends up in a fight scene with this girl on the back of jared leto's car which regular should just like punch her in the kidneys <laughs> But no. really, um, okay, I'm like, jumping the gun again because then we get Jared Leto coming in. They they try to just talk like, her down. Just like a journalist. Yep. He, he's basically, again, not to be say it's a ripoff, but he's the male Gail Weathers, the male Courtney Yeah, Cox exactly. All the characters, these are pretty ripoff characters, I would say. Exactly. Because you then, even have Deputy Dewey come in too also. Yeah, because she does come in. She actually saves the day at this point. Yeah, she shoots Brenda. Mm-hmm. Brenda flies out the window. So now, Gerolito and What's-Her-Face now, they're driving away. So, again, another thing is, I got a, I got a quick question with this scene. Yeah. So, you go out the window. You go out the door. Obviously, Gerolito's uh, truck, because, you know, that's the only, he's the only person with a freaking car. So, with everything that's happened, most likely when they left the building to get help for the cop. There should be a body there. There should be a body there, but they're... Obviously isn't because they of didn't what you care, find out. And they didn't care to find the body. For and they reason. didn't care to look in the back seat. Which the killer killing people in with Brenda killing people in Urban Legend style, that would be the first place you should look is hey, there's no body. Well if there's no body back seat. If there's no body, you should at least be on guard. Exactly. They were completely like, Ah, she's dead. We're they safe. were having like some weird conversation. About totally different stuff, like... And then all of a sudden, here comes Brenda, and then there's a fight scene in the damn bag. No, which... by the way, when Brenda comes up, they apparently have, like, mentally, like, just connected mentally because they both, like, realize the same exact moment. Holy shit, and they both duck at the same time perfectly because if one of them didn't duck, one of them's head's about to get lobbed off. But again... Makes no sense because they how... have car headrests. By the way, um, yeah, with them sitting there, ex- again, how exactly is she going to swing an axe? Well, I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out how, how? they had that kind of a fight scene, because the fight scene was them wrestling for the axe. Yeah. In order, I can understand if it was an RV. RV has enough room to do that. This thing, not so much. I mean, it had more room than them the first death, but yeah. not this one. It still didn't have enough room for her to bring the axe above her damn head. Hell no. 
So, as could have happened in the opening scene, Jared Little slams on the brakes. What should have happened in the opening scene. But they happen to be on a bridge. And wee! Brenda goes through the front window, <laughs> off the bridge. And in the water. Into the water. Now, granted, the way she landed, that's got to hurt. Absolutely. But for a second time, it's apparently a our, our main characters have no concern about turning up a body. Finding a body. Yep. They just assume again, hey. Because then we find out the whole thing was a story being told by a college kid. It's the old usual suspect slash American psycho slash did this shit really happen or was this all bullshit? We don't know because we have unreal. This is a a key thing called basically unreliable narration. Exactly. Because we have a a couple of college kids sitting around in a circle. And they're even arguing about exactly how it kind of ended. And then we cut to actually Brenda saying with new hair, literally saying that's a nice story and all, but this is how it really happened. And we get the smile on the end and we say, well, did the other two make it? Did she just let them live or did, or was the actual ending? She killed everybody. So now we know Brenda's a killer. So now let's go back and dissect some of this bullshit (laughs) because as I watched it now, knowing that Brenda's the killer, I was paying attention to basically Okay, does it work as with her, the killer? Because remember how I built this up, basically, throughout the entire movie. We saw, basically, the, a, a killer who was the combination of Predator, Jason Voorhees, Jason Bourne, and the strategic ability of, like, Tom Cruise from Mission Impossible. Like, amazing. So, um, Brenda, Rebecca Gayhart, who's, like, a buck five, mm-hmm. normal, normal size, not Ronda Rousey here we're talking about, mm-hmm. just a normal-sized female. We'll start with... The most obvious thing is Damon is that. Yeah, because that, that one would have been the most... Uh, so, obviously... Could she have done They that? used... With the actual killer, until the actual reveal, the killer was male. The person that played the killer was a male. Yep. So, we're getting that out of the way. Now it we're going matter. on in to... The, in the story, this is... It's supposed to be Brenda. This is Brenda Bates doing this. So, apparently, she must have gained the ability to the ability and strength of all the Bates, not just... Not just Norman, but all the baits. Oh, shit. Well, damn. And that's how she gained the strength to kill people. And lift Damon in the freaking air like that. So she has the confidence to... Her plan is, I'm going to attack Damon from behind, tie him up with a a noose, put him on top of the car, and then tie it to the tree, basically. Exactly. This is a a, a college-aged woman attacking a... And she's... Again, we mentioned... The only real uh, thing we get that she was even in... A good shape was her swimming thing. She, swimming ability. She was able to swim multiple laps and not be tired. So we actually watched as she actually, with with all the cops in the world, attacks Damon, apparently beats his ass, ties him up, puts him on top of the car, mm-hmm. all while Natalie was in the car. Right. By the way, this is all happening with her. Yeah, in the she car. doesn't even notice. And what and what's even funnier, she gets out of the car at one point, and goes, Damon, hurry, shake it and let's go. Yeah. I'm like, damn. Then you said she took a lot of punishment in that scene. She does. She uh, gets not only thrown off the car. Actually, she gets thrown off the car twice. And I think she gets hit by the car once. Yeah. More of a, I think, uh, granted, it's more of a nick, but I think she does get hit by the car. Yeah. Like you watching it, you think, okay, this killer has almost like a superhuman element to it. Supernatural almost. Exactly. So we got that. We got her overpowering Daniel Harris. Mm-hmm. Which, granted, Daniel Harris... She is she is a small woman. Yeah, but she looked it, like, it's still she looked like a, a girl, a tough, girl, a tough goth woman though. Girl on girl, it's a little bit more believable 
than say with someone Damon Damon's size. I mean, he wasn't big or anything, but he was still a little bit more bigger than she was. Okay. He still could have overpowered her had he actually tried. I'm not gonna say she she didn't really overpower Parker, Mike Rosenbaum. Well, no, she caught him in a verbal spot because he was already throwing up. On the what toilet. she did was she knocked him out and then I think tied him up actually. Yeah, he was tied up. He t- tied him up after knocking him out. Waited till he woke up and then did the pop rock. So she didn't really need to overpower him. Okay, so one thing I want to bring up was just uh, I was mentioning this earlier a little bit. Her vendetta is against Natalie and the girl from the beginning. Right. Was it necessary for her to kill all these other people on the side? To use uh, Robert England as a Because she has a legitimate gripe with them. Well, yeah. But she's a mass murderer because she killed all these other people. Well, to use uh, Robert England uh, as a scapegoat, uh, she needed to kill people. She needed to make... All of them now? She needed to make them all... needed to make everyone think Wexler had just lost his mind because he's the sole survivor with PTSD. I get it, but... The the kill at the party I means keeps I keep it back because she's at a party with fifty seventy five people there, and she puts a dog in the microwave in the damn party. That felt like a risky death that wasn't necessary to the plot at all. Well, the dog was was pretty risky, but again, that's like she just didn't like Parker. <laughs> she really had to go out of way to to do make that kill. That's what I'm saying. Mm. And that could have easily been the that was one of the kills that could have easily exposed her big time. Um, the dean, the dean, I guess that, that makes was sense. logical because again, she she did a shot. She's slit his uh, Achilles tendon so he can no longer fight back. Yeah, and then she used his car as the weapon, not anything else. Yeah, and I'm gonna assume with Sasha, like everybody else, she hated Sasha's show so much that she was the worst radio host in the world. So she said, "Hey, but look, I will say this: the get dean- your ass off air. If you're not, if they're not canceling you off air, I'm taking you off air myself." <laughs> Going back and watching it, but knowing that Brennan's the killer, there's one scene towards the end where. She stumbles upon Natalie talking to Paul, now Jared Leo's character. Right. And she gets so mad and jealous. Mm. She's like, you don't waste any time, so, Natalie. And she starts crying. It's not because of them talking. It's because they were making out. They were kissing. Yes. So she starts crying and walks away. And I'm like, aren't you going to be killing her in 15 minutes? Like, <laughs> are you forgetting like the whole plot here? I was like, is she fake? She seemed really like, are you fake crying? Are you really upset? Because, yes, she's kissing your guy, but... You just killed ten people and are about to kill her. Like Again, in the context I, of her being the killer, as, that, as scene I, no, uh, that scene no longer makes sense to me. As, as I mentioned, ladies, you can't. Is, is, this is actually the same goes for guys as well because I know guys even a mass a female is still like, hey, don't you take my cannot man. <laughs> call somebody your man or woman, but then not make a damn move. Or you're going to lose your chance to somebody else who is brave enough to make a move. Her move was to kill fifteen people. That's not a good move. It's like you got in her way, she's gonna kill you. What I'm saying is like her crying, that makes no sense in the context of you're already planning to kill her late that night. She's not gonna be competition for long because she's on your hit list. Yeah. Well apparently she is th- apparently she is still competition. So competition to kick her ass. Alright, let's get to our damn overall thoughts. <laughs> overall right. thoughts. This movie Final is thought. a two That's not overall thought. I want you to give a Oh, overall thought, not a rating. Well yeah, give your <laughs> thoughts and then your overall rating. Oh, mo okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to steal the spotlight from you. You go always ahead. do. You always go first. My overall thoughts is I like is the movie is okay to watch once in a while. It's something to turn your brain off because obviously if you're thinking about it, the movie's going to get worse and worse by the minute. And then, but the, all the red herrings was just unnecessary. 
they should have added more clues, more more subtle clues to who the killer actually was. And I don't know, maybe actually use the actress to do the killing so that way the body type kind of lines up. Another, she's using an overall, uh, a giant ass coat, but come on now. Stop being lazy. And that's pretty much all I really got for this. Uh, yeah, kill. None of the kills were really memorable, but then again, this movie was originally supposed to be PG-13, which is why a lot of them were tame. So what would you give it on a four-star? A four, uh, four star I give it two regular Mountain Dews. Okay. Wow. Not Code Red's regular. I was going to say, you have to know with Nick that regular Mountain Dew is not his thing, so that's a really big diss on the movie. So. I mean, it's be- uh, if you ever hear me say Voltage Mountain, Voltage, or better yet, Whiteout Mountain Dew, trust me, I hated the fucking movie. So, I said at the beginning, basically, the concept is amazing. Like, the idea of a movie about urban legends excites the hell out of me. Unfortunately, this was not the right movie to live up to that building, basically, to live up to that concept. It tries to do too much with urban legends. It tries to add in, like, 75 urban legends into one movie. Half the time is just jumbled up and confusing and not well not well done and not pushed across in a way where the audience can understand um, watching it a second time knowing Brenda's the killer it doesn't make any sense none of it makes sense <laughs> none of, her actions don't make sense at all the death scenes don't make sense they don't hold up under scrutiny I didn't like the main characters at all I like Natalie I didn't like Natalie I didn't care if she lived or died I like Natalie she was cute nah, I, I liked the cop and I liked um I liked Brenda before she became Brenda Bates, but <laughs> so, that's, I guess that doesn't work now. But um, I'm going to give it two stars, uh, two Diet Pepsis, um, which is basically a really mediocre two stars. If you can find it on TV and you're bored one day, watch it. But I wouldn't suggest buying it unless maybe you like collecting these kind of movies like i do plan on buying this movie myself but not on blu-ray that's 32 damn dollars hell no this is a, i'd rather just uh, buy this is the, a, a 5.99 or for i'm me. just gonna buy the damn three pack because that's the only way i'm getting it on dvd for like 15 dollars this makes you think the sequel is gonna be complete trash but we'll see but for this one i'm gonna say oh i can already tell you bloody mary is complete trash just the fact that it's called bloody mary i feel like it's gonna yeah it sets it up as trash for me but yeah this is a mediocre slasher movie it's definitely not as good as Scream. It's not as good as I know you did last summer. It might be better than I always know you did last summer, but that's not saying much. Oh, think. that's definitely better than I always, but... Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll both give it two stars, which actually what we're saying is basically it's an average movie. We're not really shitting on it, we're just saying it's average. If you can find a, a reason to watch it or a time to watch it and you're just bored as hell and it's on TV, no, go ahead and check it out, but don't go out of your way to watch it. Man, yeah, that's how I feel about it, so... Well, well then, everyone, I hope you all have a good night. Enjoy listening to our nasty ass voices. Have, and, a, have a happy Thanksgiving, also. Yeah, that, yeah, thank, thank. Make sure you thank everybody in your lives. I don't care if you hate them or not, you thank them. Just to give you guys a preview, so in December, we're doing all Christmas movies. I think we should do Santa Slay first. I love it. We're doing Santa Slay. Sounds good, because I love that fucking movie. Happy holidays, folks. We'll see you very soon. Take care. <laughs>